Welcome to the Five Phenomenon Podcast. I am your host, Shane Hazen. With me again for the end of our third TV GOAT series, number Ted Haker. Three, number three. Not number six, but number three. No, number three. Yeah, <laughs> number three. It's Ted Haycraft. Yeah, just I'm another prisoner reference. Or, you know, I can't let the prisoner go. Is that a prisoner reference number, or a Beatles I, reference? No, well, no, that's number nine. Number nine. Okay. So. You did it in the tone of number nine. Oh, so I see. Why I went with that. Uh, we're dis- <laughs> on topic, we're discussing <laughs> a third of our series, The Wire, my pick for the greatest of all TV shows. I went with the obvious, although... But we ought to tell you, you know, so those keeping track at home, obviously The Prisoner was the first, and that was my pick. That was your pick. And number three today is The Wire is your pick. So The so Singing Detective, that was, you were kind of being objective about that. I'm, well, objective or, or, is, or neutral or middle ground or... I, you know, you were asking me last night about what is the definition of peak TV? How does it work? And I think that's as close as I found to what everyone's uh, pick was pre-peak TV. I think there's obvious... We, we discussed this a little at the end of that episode. We talked about like... Uh, the Decalogue or Hill Street Blues, but same elsewhere. Yeah, but but now anyway, uh, what did you watch this week, Ted? Uh, well, since we did the last podcast, I saw the Green Knight. What did you think of the Green Knight? Uh, I found it fascinating. I did find it fascinating. I think because you guys were having kind of mixed reactions to it or down. Didn't I say you're going to like the Green Knight? Did you say? Oh well, I bet you did. I said I think you're going to like the Green Knight. No, I did. Even though I had a really strange i think it this is a really real uh comparison i kind of felt like it was uh, the kind of the film felt like the, the last temptation of christ the end of it yo no no in, in david lowry's flat out said that oh okay the ending is definitely doing is doing a last temptation of christ oh, okay good well that, there you go i i wasn't I'm not Spo- as, I'm not it's, a dumb, big, it's a big spoiler for the end yeah but i'm not as dumb as i think i am no you uh, caught it man. cool good for you uh, the um so anyway yeah it's very very fascinating if you and if you uh, you know like medieval uh, goobiness, <laughs> goobiness, <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, and then of course you and I got a chance to see Speed Racer again last Going night. Going back to our Speed Racer episode, yeah, yeah. Uh, Snake Eating Its Own Tail, because right. um, our, our our podcast was uh, uh, in the show notes or the 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 class notes for we saw it at USI. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the uh, we've had Eric Bracemith, the professor, on. You've had uh-huh. him on before for an interview, right? Uh, we did an episode on Speed Racer. And he listened to the podcast to help him juice up for the class. And I think he's going to give a link to the students that maybe check us out. That's what he said he was going to do. Yeah, That's why so. I said snake eating its own yeah. tail. Oh, uh, I had a I had a convention last weekend and I did a Jack Kirby talk. So I was doing a lot your, of your, your patented Jack Kirby talk. Yeah, it went an hour and a half this time. It went over a half hour. Go back to our Jack Kirby Star Wars episode for a taste of that. Um, <laughs> My only really interesting thing I watched this week was The Night House. Uh, have, have you, it's Rebecca Hall. It was at Sundance a few years ago. It's a horror movie. Uh, it was it was sold to me as a companion piece to Christine. Have you ever seen Christine with Rebecca Hall, the movie about the uh, Florida anchor woman or reporter TV? I have host? seen that. Yes, I did see that. In fact, that was, I, I, I suppose that escaped me. And Rebecca, I forgot when Rebecca Hall came on my radar. Probably, I was trying to think about this too, probably Vicky Christine in Barcelona. Well, yeah, that probably definitely that one, yeah. But, so, but like, you're thinking something. But when Christine that. was prior to the Woody Allen, or was it after the Woody Allen? That is the Woody Allen. No, no, no. The Christine was it? Oh, before? that's way after. Way, way, after. way after, really? Oh, okay. yeah. That's well, way after. I, but uh, yeah, I, I caught up to that Christine late. But yeah, she's I, she, and that's where I saw that was you know playing here in the theaters. I thought, well, yeah, that's a drawing card for me. Her being it, 
it was it's an oversell to say it's a sister piece to Christine, but Christine I, is an amazing movie about depression, a very honest movie about depression. Mm, and this is a horror movie in the same vein. It's I I think Rebecca Hall is kind of amazing in her her pick of projects in this regard, and she has a movie that was at Sundance this year that's her directorial debut, and I'm really curious after this. So you're saying this horror film is not a companion as much, but is it's worth seeing? It's about suicide. Is it worth seeing? Yeah, okay. I mean it's okay. it's it's twenty 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 one into like going to a theater. I, it's harder. It, your recommendations are lower. Well, I'm just saying, you, you, like as you said, uh, usually if I see once I see a, an actor and they have a real good running streak, I'm thinking, okay, they're pretty they're pretty cool, good choices. And so I I typically don't rush the doors for a horror film, but with I was like, oh, oh, she's in it. I was confused exactly how. How the uh, on this movie's focus mm-hmm. on exactly how it was about it and the way it straddled the line between genre, but the the way it tackled depression was kind of kind of interesting. So, are you ready, Ted? Are you ready for the uh, one? You, when we were starting to do this, you were just like, "I think this is going to be a light episode," and I was like, "Ho ho ho, <laughs> no ho ho." I still going to be deep in the hole, huh? Yeah, way down in the hole, as they as they say. So, Ted, bless you. I've been on you for years to watch this, and you finally watched this a few months ago. Well, and not only it's been, I think it's more than a few months because I at least six months. Yeah, because uh, I, I need to maybe if we go back to Letterboxd, we can see there's a, if there's a big gap in my movie watching, it's probably where I watched right. The Wire. How long but, did it take you? Uh, it didn't take long because once you, if you got the, the in fact, I, I've been sitting on the DVD set for so long. I bought it, and it came with the soundtrack. I got a nice little deal on that. And uh, I got to a point when the disc wouldn't play, mm-hmm. and I was freaking out because I was binging it. I was like, you know, it's like- I you think know, I remember you telling me about that. I had to go to a, uh, a used uh, store uh, that sells used items mm-hmm. and find the seasons individually. And they were pretty inexpensive because they just, you know, it's mm-hmm. sitting on the shelf forever. So I had, to, I actually had duplicates because I had to get these discs to play. So yeah, uh, but it, it went pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh and I didn't tell you. I was I was real. Yeah, I remember when you told me. I was yeah. You so I just, happy. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the same thing was you guys did with the Firefly with me. Then going, Ted, did you see Firefly? Well, the, over the years, you know, you, you having so many years on me as a moviegoer, and in general, I don't want to compete with you in movie watching binge, binges. But I, if I did, I'd still say you win. Um, and so, anytime you have a um, something I haven't seen, there's a lot of them. You always like, why haven't you seen that? Why haven't you seen that? <laughs> so I have very few over the years, well, forget, and a lot of it was BTV stuff. Well, I, you know, yeah, and I forget the youth. Yeah, you know, I forget our, cha- our our age difference, and I keep on thinking there, there's yeah. interest in generational difference, but just I have had years less to do, to watch them. Right, stuff. right, no, and it's and, and I'm you know I was like that with I have an older generation of uh, guys here in the town, and, uh, the older layer of film fans, and they they clicked a sixteen millimeter <laughs> right okay. back in the day. That shows you their age. And I was like, I'm never going to catch up to them. They knew so much films. I'm like, how am I ever going to catch up? Do you remember what I told you when I really was getting into The Wire, what I told you, how I tried to sell you on the show? My phrase? No, you have to refresh me. I said the first three seasons of The Wire are better than the first two Godfathers. Wow. That's high praise. I still stand by it. I have never... Last week, part of the reason I picked Singing Detective on top of just trying to find an objective pick is I... 
I, as I mentioned this on the last episode, I, the thing I've always wanted is to merge my love of reading good books and reading a good cinematic, or watching a good cinematic movie and finally get that sophistication mixed perfectly. I wanted a good novel on film mm-hmm. and this hit the spot and then some. Uh, but, I, you know, even though I don't know... I still am a little reluctant to compare cinema and television together. Well, it's not a very cinematic show. That's the yeah, other big thing. So. And also, we should have started out with this. At the end of last episode, you couldn't even remember the name of the sh- of the wire. No, I was going the heat for some reason. The heat or the because well, heat is a, a lot of people who are influenced by the wire are also influenced specifically the Dark Knight. Oh yeah, always reference it. So the wire. Should I do the synopsis? You should do everything, and I'll just kind of think. <laughs> I'm going to be color commentary. Here. It's five seasons of uh, I, over. The main character on The Wire is basically the city of Baltimore. There's hundreds of characters. Each season, if you want to didactically describe it, has a theme overall theme. The first one's the drug war. The second is the death of the middle class. The third is reform. The fourth is education. And the fifth is the media. Or here's another way to look at it. And this is just... Did you did you have a different take? Well, no, no, not if you're taking just another, another words for what you're saying. This is just another... Uh, the seaport system in the second right yeah i mean well but but i'm I'm saying these are these highfalutin ways that sound boring but once you get into the show i mean we're talking 100 plus characters and i every time i've I've watched a show probably three times all the way through there i don't think there's a boring storyline the entire time every single switch to character i you're fine no 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 i'm 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 trying to assess it uh i mean i'm trying to think i'm engaged with every character i know almost every character's name I mean, I have no problem. I mean, yes, this is just excellent, excellent television. This is yeah, and, and what you said, I I just I, and I been I got I got really hooked, and I and I couldn't you know it's one of those things where can I watch another episode before I go to bed type thing you know. But it's still not it you 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 watched another series recently that you thought was even better. Well, uh, or you prefer, which is to be fair, a very cinematic series. Yeah, and somebody else recommended to me uh, our friend Beth in L.A. She was all I remember. She really liked. I'm it. talking about the Nick. The Nick, and and I'm just thinking, I don't know. I think I think uh, I just uh, it was it's Soderbergh. I think is a different. I love Dave Simon. And I love what they what they're doing, but I think there were some interesting artistic choices in the Nick that hooked me more, and that's more of a cinematic hook on me on my part, so probably. Finishing out the synopsis, it's each season takes place over, it starts in the police department about a wire trap to entrap, or not entrap, excuse me, yeah, to get our legalistic terms right, uh, to catch a uh, West Baltimore drug uh, drug trade, the ones that have the high rises in certain corners. And, and then it, it takes, the first season takes the idea that most cops shows up to this point have been very cops and robbers, good guys versus bad guys. And it follows a structure. One of the big influences on the first season is Richard Price's novel, The uh, Clockers. And it's about equally showing both sides and about the level of sophistication in the drug trade and why it's hard for the police to get them and how smart and they know exactly what the police is doing. From there, it could still be a cops and robbers show, but then the second season moves. Do you want to do your description now to the seaports? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, the illegal drug trade, number one. Number two, the seaport system, which I, I could even... I even, with watching it this late and coming to it this late, I can sense that a lot of people probably back in the day were going, what? Uh, and and you know, I wanted to see probably more continuation of, of the characters. And you're getting a whole new brand of... Uh, you, know, you know what's crazy? 
the second season. Uh, I, I also to get into this, I reread All the Pieces Matter by Jonathan Abrams, a book about the Wire. The second season is the highest rated season, huh. and then well, the third season was the lowest. And this show, like, it's it's fascinating how all these shows that are kind of greatest of all times. Um, or candidates and modern ones. You think Breaking Bad, Mad Men, and The Wire. And this is maybe a little disingenuous of a point to make, but we're always on the verge of cancellation after certain seasons. And The Wire, after season three, was perpetually... Uh, uh, they, David Simon had to fight for those last two seasons, and we're going to get to the season five, but a lot of people think season five jumped the shark because it lost two episodes because it had to... It Instead of having the th or 12 or 13, it had only 10. Mm. But I mean, and to be fair, Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad had weird ratings off and on, and The Wire and Breaking Bad overlap in that midway through their run, when they thought they were going to get canceled, the season three of The Wire and season four of Breaking Bad were written as series finales, and then they and they tied up a big storyline, and then they had to keep going after that. Uh, Mad Men was near cancellation just because the show was expensive, <laughs> and like they were art, they were debating that for the last two seasons. But yeah, getting back to the between season the transition from one and two is really fascinating because I think uh, uh, you that I, I mean I'm sure that's been done. I'm sure there's some other examples of it, or maybe there's been done since then. But you're getting you got used to all these characters, a certain part of Baltimore. It's anthology, and, but not exactly anthology. And then all of a sudden. You're just in a whole new setting and a whole new group, and uh, it's it's fascinating how Simon and his crew tie it together and keep it going, it, it integrated uh, into the you know the whole the whole all five seasons. It's, 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 My friend Dustin Lavelle, uh, occasional guest host, pointed out that that's the season where like it just has to is so different that that's why the show opened up to what it was. It had to be about the city of Baltimore. Right, so, right. so then we get to, um, and that's the uh, the uh, seaport where the drugs are coming in. Then we get to season three and we start to go to City Hall and we see um, all the political stuff, although that takes place heavily over the next two seasons. And uh, there's two reformers, one of the characters that's been along all the way, and a police captain who's being uh, pressured by uh, the mayor and all the chain of command. One of the big points of the show is the politics of on every single level and how everyone is badly incentivized to keep power and rank to actually do something good. It's a very, very angry show. Then season four, which I really want to get your get your thoughts on, is when we start to go into the education system and see all the kids who end up on the street or never get an opportunity. And then in the final season, we're shown how the newspapers missed every single story throughout the entire five seasons. Yeah, and then and also a really interesting uh, uh, kicker of a Pulitzer Prize type story being fostered onto the picture. Yeah, with a Jason Blair style. Yeah, Todd uh, McCarthy. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, spotlight director Todd McCarthy. Yes. So, um, I, I I guess I should just bug you about your reactions to each individual se season. So, season one, when I first watched it, I remember how we watched one or two episodes together in. Yeah, in fact, and you I, fell asleep during. Uh, uh, did, did I? Uh, I it, well, it was late at night. And, it was late at night. It was late. And at night. And, and and again, I, you you know, a context. You know, you're like, oh, let's watch one, and you're just so hyped, and I'm like, oh, okay, good. I mean, and, and and I the, hadn't the, really set my mind to it yet. Well, it's not know? even that. The Wire notoriously is is it, when it was on the air, there was a reason it was near cancellation because like you've never seen a show like this that that sets something up and will pay it off episodes later and therefore the first few episodes are so much set up yes and just like well just like marvel origin movies 
anybody complains about. But anyway, I would say those movies at least have a little more visceral in yeah, true, yeah, yeah, color this, and action. Well, part yeah, of, this, I know my, my first time seeing it. Well, part of the thing is when you start to get to the end of the season and you start realizing how good the payoffs are, you're just like, wait, they've been holding this in their pocket, and then one payoff after another, after another, after another, and then you realize this thing is so meticulously planned. No, yeah, but you do have to pay attention. You have to uh, uh, hang in there. And did you watch it with subtitles? I think it's. I think it was off and on. A lot of times, I think I turned them on just. I, don't, I just want to make sure I, the slang words. One 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 viewing I did with subtitles yeah. on, and it's just it's it, even at the very least, if you don't understand it, it's just a great way and to names. appreciate the writing and names. I'm names. just you know and 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 uh, you know because uh, I was really getting a little bit almost frustrated because. All, there's so many different levels of the bureaucracy of the of the police department and the government. There's so many different levels of uh, jobs and and titles. Right. And I'm like, okay, he's a he's a captain or he's a lieutenant or who's his boss or who's, who's his boss? He's a detective. Yeah. And when they they throw a, you know a group together to do this special uh, assignment and they're from different departments and I was like that was really frustrating. I was trying to go, okay you know and but then if you like I said if you stay with it it. Part of it doesn't matter, sort of, uh, in terms of just being specific about titles and, and where they came from, but their characters are the most important thing that you get the, you know, that you hang in there. And... I've heard this described of all the president's men where, like, it's written too specifically, but if you follow the behaviors, how everyone's acting to everyone, you can still follow the story. But, um, but this is a story about details. Can I uh, stop this for a second? I want to back up for a minute. You said that, um, and, you know, you brought the word novel in. I wanted to kind of say, are you have you read much Charles Dickens? Um, no, but are you bringing up the Dickensian aspect? Yes, uh, is that were you going to bring that up at some point? Oh, yeah, uh, okay. Are we, we going to no, no, that? let's do it now. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying, I and I'm not, I'm more well versed in Dickens movies than I am in books, okay? But uh, yeah, it's uh, there was a, I, I came across and everybody's comparing, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess D Dick Dickens comes up just because the newspaper reporter in season five just keeps wanting to find the Dickensian yes, as right. aspect to everything, but I think. Uh, do you think uh, that this it, is Dickensian? Yeah, the whole over, uh, just the no. I think this this critiques the Dickensian thing just oh. because because the point of it, at least their approach to the Dickensian model as from a previous century coming over to ours is that let's try to empathize with the poor but not exactly try to change our mind that they are, may or maybe don't deserve their lot. Right, and then there's also there there's always there's. I maybe treat it, treat the poor like a little bit of a circus. All you literature aspect. fans out there are going to throw rocks at me, but I think I'm I don't most don't, it's usually happy endings in Dickens mood novels. I mean, Tale of Two Cities, obviously uh, not. But. No, and that's true. <laughs> I think about that. I'm thinking Christmas Carol. Uh, have a different Copperfield, maybe. I don't know. Great expectation. We were in high school, and yeah. that's kind of an ambivalent. But uh, yeah, whereas I thought, no, no, I don't know if I want to go with that as 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 it's as this. If you want to argue that the show isn't critiquing Dickensian aspects of it, it's just that it's it's just a buzzword yeah. that doesn't mean anything. But because um, especially when we when we get to the end, I'll have another thing to say about something about that. I also sent to you a PDF that we uh, I found. It's you can find it on the internet, but there's a show bible of the first season of what David Simon was originally planning. Right. You want? I love. Can I read the one I highlighted here? Sure, go for it. It says uh, it is a police story set amid the dysfunction and indifference of an urban department, one that failed to come to terms. I love this. 
One that failed to come to terms with the permanent nature of urban drug culture. Permanent. I, that really sticks out. I mean, because, you know, we, I, can't, I guess, you know, I guess we all think we're going to make the world better. The world's going to get better. We're, we can just do things. And it's, and I, do, I love that word permanent nature of the drug well, culture. Well, part of me would argue that the that's not the right. That's the phrase that was good for this. That was probably written in like 2000, 2001, right? Mm-hmm. 2000. Well, the, the show's long-lasting legacy, which we'll get to later, the fact that it was Obama's favorite show, is how much it's brought to light the failure of the drug war. And it's really started to make everyone think that, at least from like prosecuting the drug on war, or war on drug, or even waging it, is not the way to fix it. But there might... And even then... That's why, because it's a permanent nature now. I'm going to bring up a book that I really love called Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, The First and Last Days of the War on Drugs. I wanted to save till later, but it's a significant lateral rethink on how to look at the drug war. But And then, then on the other to continue I, on with the it. other highlight is uh, this is a world in which knowledge is always a double-edged sword. Mm. Uh, well, that's a big thing in this thing because, oh, we got this done. Oh, but it does this, and we do. Oh, let's go figure out to fix this, and no, it's going to happen. This is going to cause that. So the the funny thing about which you were saying you you didn't get to the end because it's a seventy page document. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you read the whole thing, the funny thing is that um, the main ish character of, or at least the TV character, the 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 white cop. If you want to default to a lead, Dominic West plays Jimmy McNulty. McNulty's name in the Bible is McArdle. And which, I mean, it's something it's, you didn't seem to be that interested in it, but the more key thing was, and it's also in all the pieces matter. They described why they, they pivoted, but the, the point in the first season where I really first started kicking like, Oh, something's going on is the wire trap that they have to like, keep trying to find a way of getting to go. Cause the, the thing about the wire, that's so amazing the thing that's amazing about David Simon and all the writers he got in there is like, I've never seen screenwriting that's so good about cause and effects. So thoroughly about sophisticated, complicated things. But the wiretrap leads to one of the black detectives going undercover and getting shot, Kima. In the Bible, Kima gets killed. Mm. She doesn't survive the first season. Interesting. But, but anyway, that's where the show starts to kick in. And then, and even then, in, at, when I first watched it, it had that feeling of like, oh, they're actually going to kill off a character. Oh, they're going to hurt a character. And there's actual ramifications. But I didn't realize how the circular nature of everything and I, well, and I'm with Kimo's character. I was thinking maybe, uh, uh, I think they maybe mentioned, maybe I remember, remember that part because I did read the character description parts in the Bible. And I, uh, this was the TV series Bible, not the Bible. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh I, I, I'm wondering, you know, you always hear, you hear this trope all the time, all the characters wrote themselves. But I'm wondering if when they started doing these, they, you know, you, have, you now you got this actress playing her and you fall in love with the actress. And now she's performing it to the characters. And you go, I don't know. I want to get rid of her yet. You know? Well, that's exactly what happened. Well, And specifically, it was Carolyn Strauss, who is one of the heads of HBO with Chris Albrecht at the time, said that you have a lesbian cop that's a little more interesting of a character. You're probably going to want to do more. And Simon had to think about it just because he liked the idea that uh, uh, McNulty got one of someone's killed. And... In the second season early on, he says something to her whenever she, or no, it's the end of the first season, he says something to her. It was just like, it's always black cops who get killed, who have to go undercover in this situation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's enough un- surprises and deaths that I didn't mind that oh, she- Oh, there's the deaths come. Yeah. In droves. Yeah. I don't mind she, that she hung around. That was, you know, but yeah, yeah I could, you know, you could see that 
originally she probably wasn't going to be you know kept dead. But the, 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 we're, we're obviously we're going to be spoiling some things. For we're you. definitely going to be spoiling. But some. again, remind you if you haven't seen it, yeah, and and you you listen to this, and and by the time you get around to watch it, you're probably going to forget it. And there's so much intricacy and. You're gonna hopefully be surprised. I don't know, Dad. Oh, don't know. oh you're gonna surprise it. You're gonna spoil everything. Should no, I'm not gonna spoil everything. I'm just like, like I, I every detail in this show just is yeah. strong in my head. Um, I used to tell people that one of the crazier things about the show it was at a time where TV it, Joss Whedon with Buffy was big on killing off certain characters. So if you followed a show, it was always a big deal if you killed off a long running character. Surprisingly. And now that's lost its weight. Like that feels a little more sadistic now to a lot of TV watchers. The show threw that out the window by killing its characters. But at the same time, there's three white characters that only get killed in the show. It's just the majority of them is, is black. The, 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 the characters on the street are the ones that get killed with impunity. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so we're on going to season two, Ted. One thing, things were you keep, were you watching these as they? Uh, did you have HBO? How did you watch it originally? I read an article uh, when season three was premiering. Oh, so I was way far, and I caught. And the DVDs didn't really come out until then. They came out around season three, mm. so I had to catch up with the box sets. So you never. And saw, then okay. I watched season one and took my time on season one. Season two, I binged. Was really into it. And I remember season three, I stayed up all night probably watching half the season. <laughs> um, oh, and, that, and I still remember the end of season, this, the penultimate episode of season three, the end of that was where I was like, Godfather. Yeah, and I kept going, uh, I don't know where, which I saw first. No, no, I, I, I know. I kept on, I, I, it took me a while before I figured out the guy running for mayor. is like, uh, you know, he's a... Uh, Garcetti. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also, oh. He's, he's in Game of Thrones? Uh, well, see, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so, and, uh, but, uh, Dark Knight Rises, I'm sorry. In Dark Knight Rises. Or excuse me, he was probably casting Dark Knight Rises for, yeah, for and, uh, and he, I thought, I, 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 he made a quite an impression on me in Dark Knight Rises, and then here he is, oh, I get to really see him, you know, choose some scenery. He's here. in the, the big IMAX opening with Bane. Yes. Um, just to keep you, just keep you engaged, Deb, when we get into the second season, <laughs> Did you notice, I I really only have one example, and it came up in the book, but that David Simon during season two apparently had a contest with the actors to see if they would notice that every script had at one point or another a line from the Wild Bunch. Oh, wow. Holy crap. There's a really cool story of Amy Ryan. Is that in, do I have that in here somewhere? No, that's not in your Bible. This is season two. Oh. Amy Ryan was trying to get more um, episodes with her arc, and so one of the uh, actors t- gave her the line and it was uh, uh, whatever the line is after let's go. Oh, why not? I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and then, but she was, t- and David Simon's like, interesting. You got that. And David Simon said, did someone feed you that? <laughs> and she said, no, no. Why would you think that? Wow. I, yeah. I, in fact, uh, that's fine. You bring her up. Cause I, I wanted to see more of her near the end. Like she, it's interesting. Some kind of just kind of like, uh, slip out, you know, of the, of the but come back. And they come back, but not as much as I want. One of the things that blows my mind every time I watch this is this, this the plotting, up, at least up until maybe arguably season five, and we'll go into why season five is it maybe doesn't feel as strong, is so watch-like, which goes to my, with a long time, my favorite comic book of all time, Watchmen, which also is a great TV show, which arguably could have been a goat unto itself. And the fact that it, all the pieces mattered, to paraphrase the book. And yet this show was organically, like it, there's a lot that could have changed. Um, speaking of uh, Minolti and favorite and actors and Amy, oh sorry, Amy Ryan. Um, 
we should stop and say one thing I did watch back in its day, because I work at an NBC affiliate and I was a big fan of, was Homicide. Okay. And that takes place in Baltimore. David Simon. And that's David Simon's baby. David Simon's career, It's uh, the show is created by Ed Burns and David Simon, but mainly David Simon. And David Simon, starting out the Baltimore Sun as a newspaper reporter, took a year off to hang out in the Baltimore Police Department and wrote a book called Homicide, Life on the Streets, which is the basis of the TV show, the Baltimore TV show with Barry Levinson directing. So producing. I remember, I think, and I think when the wire started getting some buzz and I never had it, I don't think I had HBO at the time. I had it one at one time, but I unsubscribed or something. I remember thinking, oh yeah, I, I probably need to check that out sometime because I like, I really like the Homicide, and I've, I've been meaning to buy the the box set. But I, you know, one of the actresses in Homicide I really liked, and and didn't see her much in anything else was Kelly Thorne, and she is the she uh, David brought her back and had her play McNulty's ex-wife. Okay, I liked it. So that was a nice, you know, little surprise. I was like, oh, cool. There, he's he's had a few TV shows over the period in his. In a, String of uh, actors that he's cast. And Clark so. Johnson noise is uh, he's been, he's an interesting career and been, he directs and acts. And, he's yeah. Gus in the final season. He yeah. he directs the first two episodes of the first season, and the last and the very final. Episode. Great, a great character in the last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Simon um, was writing. He he didn't join up initially with the show, and then in the second season he wrote one. I think he got an Emmy nomination for it, but he was upset that. At the end of every episode, the villain had to, or the villain, the the criminal had to be caught, and he liked the idea that a criminal would stay. On, and the one he won the got a nomination for was Robin Williams' episode. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, gosh, no! I mean, it's, it's it's a long time. I can't. Remember. I mean, I've never seen it. But uh, yeah. But by the way, it's, we're we're are we technically on season two now. We're talking now. I mean, we went back to we're, we're side. all around. I don't. I need to go back to season one for one thing. I that that was a hoot. And I think is a highlight for a lot of people, and uh, and it's the the mother the fuck scene, the uh, f word scene, yeah. That the, the, is <laughs> that is a masterclass in acting, directing, and writing. Yes. The entire the context of this scene is they have to recanvas a murder investigation scene that was botched, and so these two master detectives who are very alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> just start to receive the discrepancies and the scene is done only with fuck fuck motherfuck and they just uttered to and it's grunts but you know what's funny you know what the original end of that scene is it got cut hmm. the landlord who's been standing over the shoulder watching it the entire time when he sees the casing that they find outside looks at it that's been there for months in, in the grass just goes well i'll be fucked <laughs> yeah it was that that was a, that I have to admit that was a pretty wonderful scene. The, so. And the thing is, the show is so foul mouthed and so obsessed with dick jokes too and fart yeah. jokes. Yeah. Uh, well, but uh, what's his name? Is Vanolti's uh, friend uh, Bunk? Bunk. Yeah, Bunk's and he's funny. He's an actor that you guys everybody recognizes. I recognize him. Clark Peters. Yeah, he was, he's uh, he's wonderful. And uh, wait, let me double check that. Hold he on. has some he has some uh, great scenes and great relationships. Uh, because we we have to bring up the big O at one point. The what? The big O. Wendell Pierce. I said Clark Peters. Oh, Sorry, Clark Peters is who plays um, uh, Lester Freeman. Oh well, yeah, he's great too, and I, I've seen him other stuff too. Um, They're both in uh, Treme too, which is uh, Simon's follow up. Yeah, which I need to see. Um, yeah, I only you know you, you kind of laughed at my. I, I only wrote one, two, three, four, five notes, <laughs> five little notes. It's, it's a long, long five seasons, huh? Isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, the big O. Yeah, the big O. Yeah, Omar. 
So what did you think of Omar? Well, Omar is the defining character of it. What, what, not defining. I, I, there's so many defining characters. I remember other people watching it and going, oh, here comes Omar. You know, Omar, Omar coming. Omar coming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it looks the rhythm. T- uh, the, it, 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 he doesn't let me down. And, of course, big spoiler here. Go for it. Big spoiler. Because I, I need to talk to this big spoiler. But, too. The, uh, you know, he's, 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 a, he is, uh, he's a criminal. He wears a duster. And he's got a shotgun. I mean, and he's walking around Baltimore, and it's just, and he kind of whistles to announce this. And so he's he's kind of the cool, fun, uh, hip character to everybody. Like, oh man, and and it's a bad guy that you love, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so you you he's, he's also gay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that that's one thing that surprised. I think. And it, yeah, I think David almost did it on purpose. Like, oh, you really like him? Well, let me do this for you. Well, no, there's there's real characters. All these are, are there are a lot of composite characters. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the diversity and one, and, one of the and, cool things about the show is that almost every person is a real composite character of multiple people, and that most of the events on the show supposedly either happen or rumored to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and he plays he uh, the, the Michael K. Williams. Yeah, the sexual choices, uh, sexual partners are all over the place in, in this film. Uh-huh. In this series, Omar. So you're going along, and he's like, "This guy's just going to get through this," and and he's fun to watch, and he's a, such a character, and he actually sometimes is a helpful to the police, but a weird way. And then all of a sudden, he gets uh, whacked by a little kid. The second time I watched this show, and you go, "Oh!" The second time I watched the show, I watched it with a friend who, um, when I was, I was staying in L.A., and he would watch it. I would have to miss episodes with him, so he'd catch up without me. And I remember coming home. We were staying the same. I was staying in his apartment in L.A. And he's he's on the fifth season, and he said, "You know, I think Omar is the main character of the show. I think this show is about Omar." And I was like, "Interesting. What episode are you on?" And he said <laughs> it, and I did the math. He was two episodes away from when Omar got killed. It's yeah. It, he did. David just did a. He just pulled the carpet out from under us. So that was that supposedly. Um, we need to talk about one of the reasons the show is so novelistic is that they have so many great novelist writers on here. But that was Dennis Lehane who wrote Mystic River came up with that idea and everyone in the room got behind it. This Jesse James-esque idea that Robert Ford is going to kill kill you when you're not looking. Yeah. And then, and then of course, it's interesting. He says, oh, I think Omar's your friend, said Omar. I, you could argue, you, you could make some interesting argument because, you know, like I said, it seems like McNuckley is the one that you kind of follow through and he's the default type of guy if you want to say something. Even though he disappears from season four, which yeah. I can explain later too. But um, uh, Bubbles. I think that's a really good argument. Could, I think Bubbles is, I could easily yeah, argue Bubbles is the you, main you character. Could, you could show. really go with that as a, as a possible. Because Bubbles' main big moment comes in the penultimate episode. Um, and, and then obviously he has the series written about him at the end. But that his meeting moment is kind of the emotional high of the show. And Bubbles is a character who's, he's a really bad drug. I mean, he's really hooked. He's got a really bad drug problem. But one of his uh, his partner gets uh, beat up pretty bad in the, one of the first few episodes. Yeah, and so you, this you, goes with the cause and effect. Where one yeah. episode ends, where he you gets beat up, and you're just like, oh, that's kind of yeah. sad. But oh well, what happens? And I think in the pilot, Bubbles is just like, or it's pilot or second episode where he's like, uh, he then he agrees to help the police out. Yeah. So Bubble becomes a snitch, and CI, a criminal or a criminal informant, and uh, but that's broad stroking it because it's you know it's it's not you know you really got to see how you know uh you know it's not 
a network, an old cop show network snitch, you know, is, you know, it's kind of like almost a little lovable clown guy or something. Mm-hmm. And this one, he's going in and out and he has, and sometimes he goes, Hey, I need the cash or I need this. And the cop, and the cops don't have cash to give him, you know, it is. So it's a very, and, and then he starts trying to deal with his uh, problem. It's addiction. So, there's a moment at the end of the first season that it still gets, there's so many bubbles moments. It gets to me, but, um, uh, after Kima gets shot, Kima, uh, bubbles was Kima's uh, CI. And, McNulty takes it over and McNulty always kind of paid Bubbles a little more than any than Kima was and he'd been holding the money and and uh, Bubbles had been kind of clean by that point and uh, so McNulty gives Bubbles a little bit of the money and Bubbles then takes a big chunk of it and gives it back to McNulty and says hey take use this as a bank and McNulty only says are you sure and part of you're watching every time I rewatch it I was like why did you even have to say that and Bubbles thinks a second, takes all the money, walks off. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna shoot up, and um, he just says, "Don't tell Kima." Yeah. This show is filled with moments like yeah, that. Yeah, let's go. Minolti is. Uh, uh, there's one thing about him, and there's some a couple of other uh, another major cop that figure in later uh, the later part of the series where you the he is going way over the bounds of being a maverick. And 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 he mainly in the fifth season. Yeah, and but even then, he's just ruffling feathers all the time. Well, and actually, I forgot. We actually forgot. We should say in season one, the hilarious thing about this whole thing that kind of ignites the the, the match that is his conversation with a, the judge. It's a very casual, very casual conversation with the judge. That I'm not doing justice to his name. That McNulty. McNulty. Uh, that has, and that's you can call him McNutty like uh, Bubbles does, <laughs> McNutty, and it and it just it, it it's hilarious because you look back and go, oh my gosh, it just it's a, it, it's just this little casual conversation that just starts this whole ball rolling that ends up you know as you, and then you just see it unfold and unfold and unfold and unfold and just going a big tapestry. Part of know? the reason the se- into season one really I was like this is masterful was though how it, this into the last episode ends in the courthouse again it yeah. circles back which and, yeah and oh by the way the judge too is a uh, was a good character in homicide that, make, yeah, yeah. that makes sense too. yeah he was a good actor in homicide that's where I know him from so I was setting you up for that because I thought you were going to want to talk about your prisoner ending, which I, I have one thing I want to tell you too, also to keep you engaged on along the lines of this wild bunch thing too. After season four, Stephen King wrote an article after the, when they HBO brought the back for the fourth season, that's when they started showing uh, on demand. You can watch the episodes advanced early and they released half seasons out to the critics. I saw season four kind of almost in one fell swoop because it leaked on the internet. <laughs> I watched it like, I think they were up to like episode six and I'd seen the entire season by that point. But Stephen King wrote that he said between season three and season four, the show went from cla- or good TV to cla- or classic, all-time classic TV compared to the first three seasons of Sopranos and The Prisoner. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I wasn't blown up smoke when I said that. No, no, it wasn't yeah. bad. I thought yeah. you wanted to, because when you first well, saw the finale, you said you compared it to the no, circular okay. nature. Well, of, do we want to jump to that? I mean, because we don't. We're going to jump all around. There's so much, but basically, uh, McNutty, McNutty, <laughs> he uh, he instigates uh, a fake serial killer thing like in the fifth season. It just mm-hmm. really gets out of hand. You can imagine, and you're, I'm sitting there just like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, this is. I mean, I didn't. I, it was. It was. It nerve, is cringeworthy. It's yeah. It's nerve wracking because you just like he's going to bring the, the the 
that it's going to, because, uh, uh, well, I remember when it came on, every, all, that was the reason all my friends started saying, I think it's Jump the Shark. Yeah, but I thought it was wonderful because it was like, God, how do I get out of this? And we haven't even described season three's plotline, no. too. But. And we and it brings it's going to bring down all kinds of the, the mayor and the, because the mayor's been saying, hey, we're going to, you know, this and mm-hmm. the, the cops need overtime and all of oh, this. Is, it's just it's just like uh, juggling all these balls. Uh, and then at the end, uh, the, the guy that he had used as a, uh, as a serial killer that he had stashed into another city, he's bringing him back. That's the final scene. That's right. the setup for the the montage. Every season ends. There's no music in the show, but every season ends with a glorious montage. The uh, um, first season ends with Step by Step by Jesse Winchester, and the second season's I Feel All Right by Steve Earle, who plays Bubbles. Uh, um, what's uh, sponsor? Right, and and also, I mean, Steve also contributed one of the versions of the the opening song. Yeah. He yeah, he did the the season five opening of Way Down in the Hole. Um, but then season three is Fast Train by Van Morrison. The song that the montage that kills that just always gets me every time is the season four one. I walk on gilded splinters. Uh, it's a Doctor John song by Paul Weller. And then they go back to the very very first one, which uh, is the Blind Boys of Al- uh, Alabama's rendition of the theme song, which or the the credit song, which is. Tom Waits way down the hole. Right. Which that's the, and they use that version for season five. They change every title sequence with. Okay. This is going to be a stretch and you're probably going to, you're going to probably shoot it Go down. for it. But, Go for it. Uh, but I, and it was just because I was thinking just because of the fact that you wanted me to watch, we're going to do the prisoner and just detective in this. I'm thinking, so I had all this, but you know, roaming in my head and I'm watching this and like, uh, so McNutty <laughs> and this guy, this guy, this, this, uh, was he an uh, alcoholic or a drug addict or alcoholic or just mentally ill or uh, he was messed up? He was, just, he was mentally ill, I think. I know when they pick him up at the end, like McNulty has to go find him. Right, he has to go he, find he, him. He's switching to another And town. bring him back to Baltimore. And this is that he uses as a, that they fake his death because of a serial killer. He stops on the highway before getting to the city and pulls over. And just has one more look at Baltimore. Gets out and looks at Baltimore. And then they go into the montage. Now the montage to me, I looked at it again last night. There are some happy moments in it, but there are also nuts. Not all. The majority of them aren't happy. Right there, you go. Thank you. And then it just kind of ends with just random shots of the city and life as it goes on. Life as it goes on. Then it, it would come back to McNutty, and he gets in the car, and it says, "Let's go home." Right. And that's the end. So I'm thinking. You know, number six, the nameless agent gets back to his house. Mm-hmm. He's back home, mm-hmm. and or is and he gets back in his car and he's driving again. Of course, he's, he's still imprisoned in the and system. It, and the, the, the life goes on, but he's still he's still going to be a prisoner. There's still he's not really escaped. Nothing has really changed. Nothing has really happened. And here again, that's what's happened here. Oh, I think you're totally... Well, I mean, I think that you're, you're just locking on to what the, the... The ending is about the fact that, like, these institutions can't change unless, like, giant... Unless there's a big reason to change, especially because the whole show is about all these people holding on to power, unwilling to, like, actually face the reality on the ground. So until people really address that or until things get so bad that, like, as we're going to get to later with the Freddie Gray riots that come up later... 
Um, and even then, significant stuff hasn't changed. Like, there's, there's nothing's going to change. Is the, yeah. the, the show is a very angry show. So you know, I just love that. That's I'm glad you I'm glad you agree or you oh, see totally. that. But yeah, totally. and, and and it's so hilarious because well, but also there's also Sidner at the end of it too. There's like two or three scenes where it just goes back to the pilot. Yeah, Sidner yeah. goes back to the judge at the, in the final episode. Yeah, right. And you know, so here a, a British '68 pop, almost kind of secret agent type show. Uh, and then this 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 show here, and they, they actually that they're dealing with these kind of issues. That's why we're, I guess they're goats. Well, the um, the one of the things that was also came up a few times in all the pieces matter that I never realized, but uh, Ed Burns, one of the co-creators of the show, um, he he's got a specific personality. He's the um, he was a he was a police officer who stopped, who left the department and was always going up against his superiors and and a lot of the people around him described him as someone who thought he was the smartest person in the room. And then after he left the police, Baltimore Police Department, then he went to the Balt teach at a Baltimore Middle School. And his anger behind season 4 is kind of what makes season 4 so well. But Dominic West said that part of his basis of his portrayal of McNulty constantly being like I know better than my bosses and my bosses are going to fuck this up was based on ed burns ah yeah what was what and what was the much uh, factor into the season four just season four nails it and just no 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 why but no dumb at west oh you, you said you were a season so four, because right? um one of the fascinating things in the, in the book these roles got to almost every single actor to the t most notably dominic west and dominic west season because The Wire was constantly on the edge of being canceled after season three, they tied up all storylines and they thought they were, they were canceled. They were canceled after season three and they were canceled after season four. And David Simon had to argue to get another season. After season three, he argued for two more seasons and he said he can bring back all the actors, but they'd released all the actors. And Dominique West was ready to quit at that point. So he said, um, I will... Um, what the way they argue is like we'll write you a little bit into season four, but we need you gung ho for season five to finish out everything. And Dominic West, um, he just kind of in the book he's like, I missed out on the best season. And it's funny because David Simon, when he was trying to get the show back on the air and convince all the uh, um, actors back in, he has this great, great uh, sales pitch he would give to them. And he tells a story. He did it to both uh, Chris Albrecht and Dominic West, where he pulled him aside. He's like, you know what? You're going to one day be in a bar near closing time. You're going to have had a few too much to drink. And they're going to start closing. And you're going to turn to the bartender. And you're going to say, hey, one day, a long time ago, I was on a show called The Wire. And the bartender's going to look at you and say, that's nice, but you got to go home. <laughs> well, okay. Now, and then you're talking about season four. That's one of my, that's my... You know, my first note was the F word scene. And the second note, the four kids in season four. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, season four is uh, it's it's a linchpin of this thing in some ways, and it's just a you you want to hear something? I didn't like season four as much as everybody else. When season three was my favorite for a long time, but, it probably kind of still is. But I just my problem was I always thought I was expecting every season to have at least one way or another to tie up the, the investigations. And I felt like it set up season five so much. And since then who gives a shit, but that was my opinion at the time. But yeah, it, you basically follow four kids and the, and it deals with their, and the, and the educational system, you know, of any city right now, it seems like, uh, and it, and it'll just break your heart to, uh, follow these kids and what happens and how they deal with the school system, how they deal with their neighborhood, how they deal with their families, how they deal with the cops, 
and it's it's pretty amazing uh writing characterization acting all around just well, even, even when you go back to the first season Presbalewski, um uh, one of the next the show is just so dimensional with his characters where Presbalewski starts out the first three episodes he's a fuck up because the show's about these fuck ups that get put into a department or to a uh, a unit that they're they're trying to like bury and then i don't remember what episode midway through the season prez becomes a really good office desk cop and he loves it he loves solving puzzles he's good with paperwork and he's he becomes a really good cop but then season three something happens he gets uh, he you know he shoots, shoots a he doesn't call out to a suspect after he sh- shoots somebody and he gets fired and then he becomes a cop or becomes a teacher in season four right again on the the way these all these storylines weave together yeah it's so impressive every time i watch it and then in season four my then i guess i had that talking about the ending and the omar's death and then the last note i wrote down i'll just go ahead since we're in season four uh the dennis uh, cuddy wise or denny wise cuddies yeah before that was an interesting character i i um it did we you know, when he comes into the town looking for work, mm-hmm. did we see him previously at no. all? No, okay. he's been in prison for a long That's time. Only, yeah, and so and they make a reference that he worked with this one gang that, that we do I, know. I don't but, know if he was exactly a Barksdale person, but he'd been paid. He he got yeah. quiet, and he comes back, and they give him a, a package to as his coming home gift that he gives to somebody else. Gets taken off, or he gets kind of uh, uh, gypped on that. Someone and. and uh, he tries to do good, tries to you know, date this woman, tries to put, you know, get a decent job. And uh, things go interesting for him. Uh, but he gets a, he ends up making a boxing ring for kids to hang out and learn how to box. And I, 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 I kind of like that character, but it was weird too because uh, he came out of nowhere, it seemed like to me. And, and then all of a sudden, he, and he just kind of, he kind of evaporated slowly out of the, the there is, a, I think, a little bit of him in season five, but not much. Uh, I, mean, I guess it's mostly his season four after yeah, he, he gets, gets, he gets shot. shot in the foot. He's the, in the hospital, and that's where he hooks up one of the kids to the uh, precinct. To Bunny. Yeah, Bunny Cole. Yeah. Uh, we haven't started about talking about season well, three. Season three's well, hamster damn storyline is so, oh. Yeah, but Bunny's character is, that's something worthy to talk about. There's something about all these, the you know, they brought in late in the novels. They brought in, they brought in Dennis Lehane. They brought in George Pelicanos, who is a, he's worked with David Simon a bunch since then. But my favorite, which the show brought me to him, was Richard Price. And Clockers was the basis of the show, as I mentioned earlier. But Richard Price is a fucking powerhouse. And what's funny is at, he started in season three, and I can't remember. There's three. They worked in three scenes from Clockers into the show. Yeah. One of was um, in season four, whenever the detectives run into the corner kids that they've been following. I think it is, is three of the four. The, the, and uh, they run to him at the movies. And the other one, I believe, is in season three, where Kima's with, I think it's season three, where Kima's with um, her son. And she's like, good night, hoppers. Good night, please. Like, they, they say good night. Instead of saying good night, moon, they says good night to all the people around them. And what's then? And those are from Clockers. That's from the yeah, movie, all those yeah. scenes are from Clockers. It's been a long time since I've seen that. No. I, I doubt it's in the movie. I doubt those in the, either of those scenes. They're in the, the book. book. They're in oh, the book. The book. They're oh, in the book. I, Sorry, oh, they I are in the you. book. I got you. But uh, Bunny is interesting too, because like when, um, Bunny's so interesting. Mo- <coughs> the Dominic West character, he he's going just 
he's 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 a good he has such great intentions and he wants to just and he's bucking the system to try to get things accomplished and that's just going to get you in trouble because of the uh, there's so too much bureaucracy and too much corruption so he you got that going oh and he's he's very angry and self-righteous about yeah, it too yeah and he, he, he and he burns a lot of the people around him yeah, including he, friends right and so that doesn't help matters but you know, in some cases, I'm thinking, gosh, he almost, go, yeah, 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 there's a reason why he drinks so much and whatever, because of this, the crap you got to waddle through. One of my favorite uh, transitions was because he was gone for season four, and that was the reason I was like, I, something feels weird that he's not in it. And there's this setup where he'd been sober and, and within, with one woman the entire season. Amy Ryan, yeah. Yeah, Amy Ryan's was, From one, season two. was one of her first roles, uh, big roles. And I just remember between season four and season five, I was like, man, they're going to make a big arc out of McNulty falling back. <laughs> and I think it's his second scene is just him drunk as shit at a bar. I, I kind of flirt. I flirting with somebody and just like shit. Never. They said it was a new day. Shit's going to change. Jimmy shit never changes. Yeah. And so Bunny is, he's a, he's a uh, precinct uh, up in a different precinct. than the ones, uh, some of the other ones are from, and he does this, unbelievable program to try to stem the tide of all the drugs going on. He, he coordinate, he cordons off. Uh, if you want to do, uh, we're not going to bug you. We're not going to mess with you. We're not going to arrest you, whatever. If you do all your drug dealings and stay with your drugs in this one certain part of the city, just one block that was a derelict and, and needed to be torn down. And they, they call it Amsterdam initially. And someone there misunderstands and called it Hamsterdam. Oh yeah. Was that, that wasn't three. Yeah. It's three. It was cause yeah, that's right. Uh, and, uh, I was thinking it was mixed in with the other uh, kids in the four. But yeah, I mean, that shows you how much there. It's this thing's so, so interwoven that I'm mixing up seasons now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and it's just again, you're just like going, and and what it does get discovered because I, I, they did stretch a little bit of the. I, I'm thinking this couldn't last that even that long in reality. I, I think they stretched it a little bit. Okay. Because you know I work in TV and and uh, uh, if you know it, it would it would have leaked out and it would have been covered so quickly. It would have they would have been on that thing much quicker well but it makes for fun fun episodes i mean very i mean when i say fun involving interesting episodes well and it's the season was about reform and on on the same time one of the critiques the show makes of the drug trade was that look if we were serious about uh either decriminalizing or legalizing some of this stuff then there's no from an economic standpoint there's no reason to kill people over this and the only reason the police is coming after them just because clearly they gave up so much of the drug trade it was because of the bodies they were killing everybody and so one of the characters idris elva's character there's three big oh oh, that's the other one we haven't talked about him there's three big actors that came from the wire uh idris elba amy ryan and uh michael b jordan michael b jordan yeah and michael b jordan um who has a heartbreaking role in the first season yeah um, and again, this is better than two Godfathers. You get to the, it's his penultimate episode, his last appearance, the Who's? Stringer Bells, yeah. Idris Elba's. Yeah. It, it, he, he's, he parallels Bunny in season three. And when these people, he's trying to change the system by like not kill, having people killed and, and his, his former boss, uh, Avon Barksdale comes back out from prison and is just like, we need our corners. We need to do everything. We keep, keep the corners. And he's and Stringer Bell's trying to go legitimate, and he gets trapped in a really oh that end of that seat the the, the uh, 
what, the betrayal stuff at the end is. I mean, well, we need to back up a little bit. Well, let me let me finish the one thing. There, um, whenever you have the final line of Stringer Bells in season three, it is we'll get on with it, mother, and he gets cut off. Then when Bunny's final line in season three in the next episode, when he finally gets caught, is we'll get on with it, mother, and he gets cut off. What yeah. are you going to say? Sorry. No, uh, we should. You know, I, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, Alba's character. He. We ought to say that when you get into the first season. The first kind of intro of what you're getting into is a, 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 a drug group ran by Barksdale. Barksdale. Avon Barksdale. Avon. And, he's and kind you, of, you could do it through his uh, nephew, D'Angelo Barksdale. Right. And then, you know, Ava, you're, Ava, uh, Avon's revealed to you almost like an onion. He gets another, you know, gets peeled down and peeled down. And because he's mysterious to the cops. Right. Too. And he's doing, he's running it really good. And, he's, and one reason is because of Abba's character, Stringer. Mm-hmm. And... Again, Stringer is like you're watching this guy, and he's trying to make legitimate purchases and try to go in legit. He's taking night. He's taking to school. He's going to classes. And uh, when he, McNulty sees his apartment at the end, he sees Adam Smith's Wealth and Nation and says, "Who the fuck was I chasing?" Yes, and he again the uh, the he's being a maverick within the, the his group. He's reforming. Just as much as you know, Bunny is or McNulty's doing his weird Maverick thing. They're just so, and you so you're really. I always thought the parallel was that McNulty's a soldier. Him and Bodie were kind of more parallel. That gets made more towards the end of season. Yeah, that's four. true. And there's a nice little scene between the two of them. Yeah, uh, near the end, uh, Bodie. And again, we're. Th- I'm sorry, folks. We're just there's. You're hopefully you're getting the idea that there's so many. For those who haven't seen it, there's so many characters that, that, that we're just throwing out names left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we won't be able to do justice to all of them. I mean, there's no way unless we spent, uh, we did like five episodes of five phenomena. Um, I, I should mention real briefly that, uh, um, there could have been, they, after season five ended, even though it was on perpetual cancellation, Simon had an idea for season six, but what it was going to be was they wanted it between season three and four because he always wanted the last season to be about the media. And the two seasons they supposedly left on the table, the one they were really seriously thought about, but they'd have to be off the air for two years to do the research, was immigration. <laughs> and then uh, Ed Burns said he wanted to do a season about police corruption, which gets to uh, what um, David Simon and George Pelicanus are currently working on. They're doing an adaptation of Justin Fenton's book, We Own This City, about... I mean, I only looked up the synopsis of this book. I didn't, I was unfamiliar with this, but during the Freddie Gray, uh, during the riots in Fr- Freddie Gray's, it, apparently there was a rogue um, unit in the Baltimore Police Department that was just went really rogue. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's you should look up the synopsis on. It, it's kind of crazy. Oh yeah, I mean it uh, is. Uh, and of course, I I don't know if you really need to see some corruption. I mean, because it's just filtered through the whole thing you know just I, it's it's the one way i'm curious like how the show is aged uh just because in, the show really had a strong impact like there, you can make the argument that this showed the failure of the dr- war on drugs better than anything else through drama like i've never like i am not lying the wire changed my view on so many things like the like, good art like I, I put the wire up with do you um have you read uh howard cruz's book stuck rubber baby Oh gosh, you're embarrassing me. No, I haven't. I I bought it. The I read it came that. Out in, and I, I read that in middle school, and I like I just remember I was a kid who would casually use the use the f word, and then now then didn't afterwards. Like they just just changes your outlook on something almost overnight. Although the wire is a long long watch, but 
Yeah. I uh, I actually saw David Simon talk once. Oh, in live, in person. Yeah, yeah. It, and what's cool was it was uh, speaking. It was you know it was Obama's favorite show. Like uh, whenever he was running two thousand eight, he famously said it was his favorite. I saw it the day of. Do you remember when Obama was running two thousand eight and um, Reverend Wright was uh, he was getting his campaign looked like it was going to torpedo because of Reverend Wright and he gave his famous race speech. Oh yeah, I remember that. I saw David Simon speak the day of that speech. Mm. He's, and then he spoke at the old ACL uh, um, set, that uh, not the current one. And what was funny was season five had finished up, but it hadn't come out on DVD yet. And so not, and a lot of people were DVD watchers on it. And what had happened was they got to the very typical Austin question and answer session. And, one, and they said, don't spoil anything. There's a lot of people that haven't seen season five. And Austin question Q&A, people very typically don't have a question. They just want to get up there and talk. And this woman gets up and just starts naming every single thing that happens in season five, completely obliviously, every single person that dies. And you just hear one groan after another. And then she gets to the end of this and doesn't have a question. Oh yeah, well, yeah. I've been in those situations before, in in, in various ways and conventions. How did you react to season five? You seem to be a little more defensive. And I, I, when you mentioned the TV station, you were saying Hamster Dam would have been found. You, the, the critique of the media was was at the time by reviewers saying David Simon had an axe to grind. You no, could, no, I I'm I'm on board with the because you know newspapers. I mean, primarily newspapers. Um, yeah, the, uh, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been in with, uh, an, I've been with an NBC affiliate here in Evansville since 1980 when there were still film and slides. And if, uh, if something, you have to do it in scale, but if you were at, if in a small section of Jimtown right now, someone legalized drugs, you sit and do you think it would be caught? Oh yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Uh, but it, you interrupted, I was going to say, um, the, uh, I've been bought out by different corporations and oh, really? you know, more and the bigger and the, and we get, there's less corporations with more stations now, you know, it just keeps on, you know, and, and so I can relate to what all that stuff that was being said. And, but yeah, that, that's kind of stuff's going on all the time now. And it's uh, really bad. And you were getting, um, you know, again, the digital world, uh, there's a really nice feature about the episode five on the DVD and they're about how season five, season five that we, you know, they're giving away, you know, Oh, we're going to give away the news and then do less with more. Yeah. And then, and things like that. And then it's like, Oh, it's backfired on us now because that's what everybody thinks. Oh, news is free now. Yeah. Well, David Simon's big critique was that, uh, the newspapers were flush with money during the eighties and they should have invested in explaining how a community works to people. And, What's funny rewatching season five to me now is that there's there's we're in the midst of a giant need for media critique just because the incentives are so messed up for media right now and they're constantly just especially this is pre Facebook was you know cementing itself at this point but like the effect of of using certain media to polarize and get people to piss off and just get mad at headlines. Like, I don't know if Jason Blair is really the uh, devil on this, but but at the same time, the other big uh, issue of season five for him was chasing the Pulitzers and chasing, yeah. chasing the prizes, which right. legitimately that still is an issue. Uh, supposedly, if they'd had the extra episode in season five, uh, the Templeton character would have had more explanation for why he did what he did. And one of the and, more, well, and, and explain who the Templeton character is. He's based on a Jason Blair, Stephen Glass, like... Uh, um, 
reporter who basically just makes up stories, starts making up quotes. Right. And he's, and he, and he gets caught up in the fake serial killer. McNulty's fake serial killer. So, it's, so it's McNulty a, and him start inadvertently working together. Yeah. It's a, that's what makes it such a big, scary mess. Yeah. Um, the other storyline was that one of the four kids, Randy, you know, the guy that meth, the method man plays cheese. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be Randy's dad. One of the four kids dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, there's all kinds of, we haven't got the Marlowe, you know, and his character. Mar- Marlo actually was a big issue for me in the later seasons. What do, What do you think of Marlo? Uh again, it's like it's like a, a Barksdale originally was. You know, it's like, man, do you? Uh, how do you? How's this guy going to come down? How's this guy going to mess with me? You know, uh, they're, they're, he's really handling the whole situation really well and very uh, uh, manipulative, and I. I enjoyed him because the actor they got the pick has just got such a mesmerizing look to him and, and calmness in his eyes. My issue was that they um, humanized, I thought they humanized Barksdale, especially when they got to the end where D'Angelo uh, points out to McNulty, he's like, you know who my grandfather is, and the fact that the, there was a generational thing of them being in the drug trade. Marlowe, they, they talked about him being this next generation sociopath. And like a lot of people in Marlowe's crew were sociopaths, specifically uh, Chris, who... Um, they at least give him a in a really oblique way whenever um, he kills Michael's uh, fa- child abusing father and he get, kills him in an excessively violent yeah. way. That's it's hard to watch. You at least that's that's the only explanation you have for Chris's background, but it's enough. Yeah, I was like, okay. We uh, haven't talked Snoop either. Well, Marlo, Chris, and Snoop are a whole new, yeah, a whole new new generation and a whole new way of like, ooh, this is not the Barksdale era, you know, and it's not, you know, their grandparents' era. Snoop's opening of season four is a classic. I saw the opening season for, I, um, I don't know if that I saw the first time for the leak, but at the Alamo, old school Alamo downtown, they actually showed that on the big screen, uh, like a week in advance. And, that opening scene is just a freaking all time of, of her at the Home Depot. Uh, thing oh, right. With right, the nail gun. Right. Yeah, that's a cute little scene. Yeah. She, when she first started on The Wire, she was still dealing drugs, apparently, the actress. And <laughs> then she, um, you know, the, 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 there was a big thing because of the writing being so precise where they, the writers didn't let too many actors improv, but she was one of the ones for a while they did. And then on season four, they, they pushed her back and were like, you need to be a real actress on this. So, as this was ending, I forget the exact timing, how, I think The Wire ended a little after The Sopranos. They, the Wire ended in 2008. I forget when, I, 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 Sopranos is 2007, I can remember. But going towards the end, David Simon, kind of, when he would compare the shows, he would always talk about The Sopranos being Shakespearean. And he would always say The Wire is not Shakespearean. Because especially with shows like The Euro, like How's a Good End? He would always point out it's Greek tragedy. And Baltimore is uh, um, all the uh, institutions are a Greek chorus. I can see that. I, that's a good because I mean, like I said, some critics want to want to use the word Dick, Dick's, uh, Dickensian. Dickensian, uh, and, but Greek tragedy is much more appropriate. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. And Shakespeare, I mean, but you know, Shakespeare's everywhere too. But yeah, it, uh, Tra- so tragic flaws. I don't yeah, know over too. so Shakespearean is a good example of Sopranos is a good example. I mean, if you watch it on HBO uh, Max right now, there's the um, 
they should. Did you watch it through four by three or sixty nine? <laughs> I whatever my I. I they uh, did a remaster in two thousand fourteen. I think I watched the. Well, I was watching trying to watch my remasters and some of the distant work. So I had to watch some old DVDs. Uh, so I maybe watched them in two different formats. And some, okay. Depending on what I watched. They mastered the original in video. And so there's certain elements, especially the wiretap stuff that look, it's video-ish. Yeah. And like the very first episode, David Simon, you felt that he, even though the show can be visually a little wonky, there's some really great visual stuff in there too. Um, from a standpoint, the show is done without music. Uh, doesn't do flashbacks with one exception in the first episode where they want to make sure you know that the uh, the citizen that uh, uh, testified against one of the uh, D'Angelo Gant uh, gets shot. And then they want to make they got a note saying we don't know who that is. So they did a flashback. And the thing is, when they do the flashback, it's it shows him test Gant testifying again. But then like it does this in this like blue tinge. And then it pauses and then it zooms in like with a cut like three times. Like it, it's, it's one thing that to like just show that shot again to remind you of the characters. It's another like boom, 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 zoom in on it. Did you, I noticed there was, there's apparently, a, and I don't know if I saw them on anywhere on anything I had. There's some little, they shot some little prequels. Was it, um, I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah. It's apparently on the uh, disc, uh, a little character, like, like, like one of the characters when they were a kid and stuff. Like three little short uh, prequels. Were these on the season four? I'm not sure what season and what disc they're on, but what? Uh, but yeah, it's they go to Wikipedia, or go somewhere that you'll see that. If you look up right now on HBO Max, what's kind of frustrating is I have seen everything David Simon's done except Generation Kill, which he was doing around the same time as season five, and The Corner, which is kind of a prequel to this. Which Corner was his first thing that he produced on his own after? No, these um, yeah. I don't know who if, if Corner is not available on HBO Max right now. Huh. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued to watch Corners uh, uh, after seeing uh, The Wire. But uh, yeah, but you might want to go to try to track those down. Oh, when I find I misplaced my box that I couldn't find the lines. Well, the mainly when I was reading the book, uh, all the pieces matter. What book now? Who's the writer and oh, the title? Jonathan Abrams. It's the the inside story of The Wire. Okay. Um. I love everything David Simon's done since then, but nothing has matched this. The well, Deuce is pretty good. Uh, Show me a hero. He's done. He's done two series, Treme and Show and um, the Deuce, which are both three season. And then he's done a few mini series. He did the Plot Against America, and he did my favorite of his mini series is Show Me a Hero with Oscar Isaac. Uh, well, that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, I, uh, it's that, that's the case with almost every creator we've we could talk about and, 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 and no matter what field they, they, they hit a high, they hit a high point. Well, to and that it's point, hard. It's you, hard. It, sometimes you get back to it. Sometimes you fall off or it's sporadic or you just never get back to it. Well, you know how you're fond of a uh, uh, Lennon McCartney collaboration argument of like together, they were going to make something bigger than the two of them separately. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the murderers row of novelists on this, like Simon's work, I don't think I think Richard Price has done a few things. Richard Price was on the Deuce. Um, Pelicanos has worked with him a, a bunch. Lane, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe Ed Burns worked with him on Generation Kill. I forget how much he's worked with him since. Or, or is this just like, especially? Um, I'm I'm mis- forgetting the writer that was the one that did a lot of the politics and the city stuff. He, they knew Baltimore through and through. That's another reason yeah, I'm mean, excited about um, 
we own this city is it's his first return to Baltimore since the wire. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, you know, are we going to be, are we excited about David Chase coming back to the Soprano thing? You know, uh, storyline. That trailer is, is you know, wonky, but yeah, I'm sh- sh- sure. Of course. Even though he's not directing it. It's interesting. I guess well, he only directed the uh, first and last episode. No, I know, too, but I mean, which is weird though. Why he didn't direct it. We did our episode on uh, not fade away, not fade away. And I thought, okay, he's, he's going to just, if he wants to do anything more, he's going to direct something. And so I'm thinking, did he, well, because is he upset? Cause it didn't do well. And he's like, I'm not going to screw that. Well, even if he gets in a position, I just assume like if he gets in a position where he doesn't have the juice to get get another movie, that's when he'd go back to surprise. How old is he now too? That's always, you always hear that it's a young man's game directing, you know? I mean, it's Terrence winter. I think that's directing and he was a Sopranos director. Mm. So maybe, maybe that just, I have more, Sit back and really control it, and then and then let somebody handle the physicality of it. Um, but um, yeah, uh, so what are you saying about those writers? That you're talking about their their careers? I mean, because uh, I don't know. I because when I was Ms. when I was reading the All the Pieces Matter book, I thought, man, this is a time and place of them hungry doing some of their first TV. Uh, but I don't think that's true because they've all worked together since then. I think it is that. Burns and Simon and again the other writer I'm forgetting his name I'm forgetting just knew Baltimore really well and they came up with the rule that like all this stuff had to either be true or rumored to they've heard about yeah I mean in Homicide I mean you, you got Homicide in um, the TV series Homicide and you got uh, The Wire man you know uh, you know uh, it's those are that's a that's high ground to uh, get back up to again, you know. So maybe, uh, but hopefully we'll see something, David, down the road. Oh no, I, I, he still does great stuff. Yeah. I just, I mean, something this well because I mean I just made the point. I don't think it's season, his masterpiece. So I don't right. think season five even matches up to the rest of the show. And season five, I remember the time being very defensive about, and, and watching it's still great. It's mm-hmm. I, I, George Pelicanos says at one point that it, the writers kind of. They all agree in this book when they're they're talking that season four is they think the highlight and season five, not everything that could have been could have been. And George Pelicanus said makes the point that like yeah season five doesn't have a good internal logic, but it's still better than any other season of any other TV well, show. I, and season four is probably the biggest TV show or season of a TV that's ever been. According well, to season four kind of broke my heart, and then season five I'm like totally maybe hit a nervous wreck because I'm like. You know, even Bunk, you know, Minoxidil's best friend. And and Bunk's like, oh, my bad. I'm washing my hands of you, baby. You know, just get out, you know. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, one of my favorite things over, I sent this to you. Like, whenever I'm I'm wanting to remind of The Wire, just because the writing is so fucking good, just on a dialogue level, is there's two great videos you could look up out there. There's part one and two of the 100 Greatest Wire quotes. Yeah, and, of course, we have the one uh, character with the uh, the S word. The what? What? The character with the S word. I don't. I. I. I, read, I don't really want to say it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know uh, it. Clay Davis. Yeah. Shit. Oh, we should talk about that. Because I know. It's crazy. I figure you wanted. To, you would want to talk about it, but I don't want really, to. I want you to say it because you're. You have no problems with the four letter words. Well, it's I, crazy. I, I have. A, I don't know why. Starting with twenty, he was in Spike Lee movies, and starting with Twenty Fifth Hour, he said shit exactly that way. <laughs> And he said it repeatedly that way in multiple Spike Lee movies. And then when he came to The Wire, he plays a crooked uh, city, not city councilman, is he? State, states. Anyway. Yeah, he's some, he's some politician. Yeah. And his thing is, uh, he's the, in, the, in the scripts that he asked them to write specifically nine E's into it whenever he said <laughs> she it. And the funniest thing, which I've heard no one point out, is have you ever seen that movie Cedar Rapids with Ed Helms? 
Uh, yeah, I did. He's in that. Okay. And he says shit exactly that way. Oh, wow. And there's a point in when it's in the trailer to that movie where he's they reference Omar. They talk about it. And he says something, like he has a line where he says something like, "Is this like that character Omar from HBO's The Wire?" <laughs> and it's so meta. The, uh. And then I, I, we could just combine all the characters and actors. I I, I want to you know um, another you know going back to Homicide. Andre Barrow came out of that, you know, uh-huh. and we were like, wow, who is this guy? This guy is uh, mesmerizing. He's great. And I thought in some ways the, the Andre Brower in, uh, Daniels Wires is Daniels. Uh, uh, I'm like, wow. Lance, is, Lance Reddick. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? And he's got, and they, what they both have in common is, is this swagger and intensity and stoicism that just, uh, is very appealing and very, uh, you just want to follow these guys and see what they're going to do with their careers character wise. And um, my and favorite Daniels quote in that thing is uh, you rather, what's it? Uh, you'd rather walk in, you'd rather walk in shit than let the world see you work a shovel. <laughs> and then how about William Walls? Uh, oh, are you going to talk about his one scene? Well, what, which one scene? The one where he's talking to McNulty in the hospital? That, that's, that to me, that's pretty powerful because you actually see a, no, one of the great- a decent scene from him. He's, he's, he's kind of like, a, you know, I don't like him. He's, I mean, because he's such a, he's kind of despicable. Oh, you're talking about that. No, no. Oh, uh, you, you, you did the, uh, the middle finger where it was one of his first scenes in the pie. They goes, yeah. you McNulty are a gaping asshole. Uh, this right. one's for your, he did give him two middle fingers. Like this one's for your eye and this one's for But your- you know what I, what I want to say about him is like, well, you know, they, they didn't have, you know, if he was younger and they had the money, that's a perfect Gene Hackman. And he kind of resembles Gene Hackman. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 don't I, know why, I thought but... you were going to go with that. That's one of the greatest examples of how to be novelistic with very little real estate where one offhand scene. Did you catch it? I'm sure. I hope I did. Uh... Whenever they're looking for Omar's boyfriend, they go to a gay club. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. That's and I go. Well, they didn't really do much with that, you know. Uh, Literally, and, they, and there's a section in the book where they talk about the fact how how much of a thing where it's like it's a it, that's the only addressing they do. And at one point, um, Landsman, the head of Homicide, whenever um, he's interviewing um, Bubbles, when Bubbles uh, pretends or com- confesses to a fake murder that he didn't really do just because his companion had died, and. Um, he pukes on Landsman. Landsman goes in the bathroom and is pu- cleaning the puke off himself and looks over at the back of the bathroom and there's a piece of graffiti that just says, Rawl sucks cock. That's the only time the show addresses it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, But no, but there's a really, but they do give a nice scene to Rawls. I mean, because most, most of all, he doesn't, he's a, he is a character that you don't really like that, like you don't, you don't like. But there's one scene when uh, Kima, it's a shot, and you and you know, the scene that uh, I guess originally she was supposed to die, but she's, she says she's, this is your not this is not your. But fault. he yeah, and, and Minolti's just out of his mind. He's just he and, and for once we see him going, oh, I really have done some shit here, you know, and uh, and taking ownership emotionally on it. And uh, Rollins says, Rollins says, you know, man, you, you McNulty are a gaping asshole. We both know this, yeah. but you didn't do this. Yeah, and and really does what you think. Hopefully, you see the Brotherhood of Cops talking to each other when these kind of things happen. I think the Ed Burns anger comes into this where, from it, this, I, I think this, I just, I mean, I don't, I can't speak on a Baltimore Police Department, but like the level of the thing about the show that's always frustrating is like, why were people so obsessed with power and rank? Why are, is everyone obsessed with the promotion? Why is everyone 
And that's the great part about what's his name, the 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 uh, oh, what's his name, who he ends up with the young dancer girl. Uh, oh, uh, Lester, 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 Lester. Yeah, Lester's one of these guys, and I I, I know these people at uh, here in real life and and work situations. Uh, I I you got friends like this where they're 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 really good and they're and they are creative and they're and they can produce things they can do, but the system. Uh, won't let the you know they they see what the system is all about, so they just they just get a quiet little job in the corner. This is kind of Lester's just, introduction, and, and, where he he I think it's like the third or fourth episode where you realize he's a character. With yeah, yeah, and he had try he was probably going the McNulty route originally as a young guy. Yeah, and he said, and it's not going to go anywhere. Well, so, he, he the exact same thing that happened with McNulty at the end of season one, going to season two, happened to him, and he yeah. just stayed there for years. So it's your, it's you know those people that you see at work that you know, wow, this person's a very uh, uh, this person can do a lot more, and yet he just sees the the, uh, the the futility of it, and just says, "Okay, go do my forty hours and then go home and and you know live my life out and not really rock the boat." I mean, this this show is just. <laughs> I mean, yeah. are you are you going to watch it again? Yeah, I'll watch it definitely, definitely. I'll, but I don't know how soon I will get so many other series because if I start rattling off some of the series that I've seen, people will didn't, they haven't seen. I have not seen that they're gonna be like. Well, why am I listening to him talking? He has. I uh, I have had um I've had a little bit of homework for upcoming episodes, and I've been playing hooky by like I I I kept saying like I originally had the idea I was just gonna watch the opener and closer of each season, and then I kind of expanded that because after um. Uh, Michael B. Jordan died in the his his Wallace. Where the where the fuck's Wallace when he dies in the first season? Uh, George Pelicanus started doing all the penultimate episodes, and the penultimate episodes are kind of the season finales were always the last two episodes because all the real shit happened in the penultimate episode, but the fallout was in the the, the finale. And I originally planned to do that, but then I just I put them on. I can't stop watching. Well, yeah, well th- there you go. So I mean, you know, I hope that if any of you those out there listening hopefully the ones that have seen it enjoyed us rattling on about it but mm-hmm. this, uh, the ones that haven't seen it if it's very confusing i uh, hope to just trust us that that's why we're just rattling on there's so many characters so many plots so much insight to you know everything that you're just gonna it's like a it's a full course meal that you just keep on you know to it's a novel i a few yeah. years ago i i'd had this idea for a script i wanted to write that was a multi-character one i was stuck on it forever i mean i had this thing in my uh um in my bottom drawer for like 10 10 years or more and i on a whim i was just like wrote it with the wire on the background because i then decided to, the way to get through the character arcs that there were so many characters i was like oh the city i'm writing about is the main character yeah and i wrote that thing in a month there you go. The wire is amazing. I guess that's it for this episode. Um, Ted, I wanted to thank you for doing these TV shows, all the amount of TV you watched uh, <laughs> six months ago. Um, I'm just so proud of you getting through the wire in particular. Well, I'm, and I'm thank you, glad for letting me uh, talk all and, and interrupt you so much on, on talking about the wire. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, and maybe you know, we'll have to do another uh, mini series on TV series once I get caught up on some. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, because I, I, I would love to talk about the Nick. Uh, uh, and, well, uh, let's, let's, let's see if you can get around to Breaking Bad and Breaking Mad Bad Man. and Mad Men. I, and there's, I, I got I got Mad Men at home. I haven't, uh, I don't have a set of Breaking Bad, but I, I'm probably going to break down and break down and get it two parts four through six of this series um thanks everybody for listening be seeing you be seeing you you had to get it in. <laughs>